Welcome to the PG Daily. This season is dedicated to financially empowering the residents of Prince George's County. Join our host, Heath Carelock, as he sits down with several financial experts to discuss ways for you to find money, make money, and better understand money. Get ready to be empowered. Today's guest is Tremaine Davis. So about that tithe. Um, So tithing is obviously a disciplining uh, uh, behavior and action. And what happens, what do you tell a person who is unemployed and wants to tithe and, and they just don't have the the wherewithal to think through that what mm-hmm. do you tell a person uh well first of all i think even just the conversation around tithing kind of probably needs to be reframed a little bit um god is clear about what you should and shouldn't do he gives commandments about it it's good to do this it's bad to do that and tithing he didn't say that he said you give tithing out of your heart that's a heart thing you know, so, um, you know, when it comes to tithe and my pastor, and I love the way he says it, uh, when we do the offering at the church every Sunday, uh, he'll go, uh, you know, if you have any discrepancy or disgruntledness about the money that you're about to put in this plate, I ask that you fold it up and put it back in your pocket because the blessing, it comes from a heart. So you can put that same dollar into the plate with a, you know, hey, I want to do this, you know, put a hundred dollars in like all oh, the church just want my money. And you want the, the the blessing is connected to the to the dollar, you know. So, you know, like I said, there probably needs to be a reframing just from that. That's a whole talk by itself. Uh, but just the understanding of, you know, when I'm talking to that person, listen, this is a heart thing. It's a relationship thing. Um, you know, it's really between you and God, you know. And once you have the sense of I got a dollar and I want to put 10 cent of this into this plate, then you'll do that. And I think that's where, you know, ultimately your blessing comes from. I don't think that anybody needs to be pushed into tithes and offerings because that's that's not what the Bible talks about. Now, all the pastors are probably going to call and say, what is this guy talking about? (laughs) Because I'm messing with their tithe sermon, you know. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the, the Bible was clear about. Don't kill, don't steal. But he didn't say give your tithes. That could have been a commandment, but that's not what he did. Mm hmm. Um, are there any unselfish reasons for being rich? Unselfish reasons for being rich? Yeah. Ah, I, 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 I would say yes, <laughs> there should be, you know, uh, I think in a lot of cases, uh, you know, rich is a byproduct, you know, rich is a result. Uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people rich is just the focus. That's the end goal. That's the end. That's the output. And a lot of people focus on that. Uh, but there, there's very little focus on the inputs that create the the output. You know, or, or what creates the end goal? What creates rich? Or, you know, whatever your definition of that is. You know, what actions have you taken to put you into that position? And so I think the person that takes those right actions to get themselves in that position, I think that there's a different understanding, if you will, appreciation, if you will, uh, which may feed into a little bit about what you're talking about, about being on that side of the uh, defense, quote well, unquote. We, we, we're in a county of great diversity. Yeah. Um, diversity of income as well. Mm-hmm. And we know from the 2016 Alice Report, Asset Limited Income Constrained 
employed individuals. Just just on the poverty line, but mm-hmm. who are 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 white knuckling it through life. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. barely scraping by, completely exposed to paycheck to paycheck, and oftentimes exceeding their income, which is a real crisis mm-hmm. in this community. Um what do you tell someone who's trying to live their best life <laughs> and just don't have the income but to trying to keep up with the Joneses? First of all, the Joneses are doing way worse than you think they are. <laughs> Somebody told me that a long time ago, and it is so true. Um, whoever you're trying to keep up with, trust me, you don't know what's going on behind the curtain. Um, you know, But just in, in keeping with that, you know, kind of thought process of I need to keep up with, or I need to do because somebody else is doing. Um, I think that definitely is something that, uh, uh, you know, I, I would say that, you know, we suffer from, you know, a little bit of culturally. Um, and in this area, because it's so diverse in areas like Bowie, where we are located right now, um, you know, all the way down to the other areas, you know, like your, I guess Capitol Heights is kind of moving up a little bit, but Forest Heights and Marlow Heights and, you know, some of those areas where it's not as uh, affluent, um, you know, there's always this thought process where if I could just get to Bowie, if I could just move up, if I can just move up. Um, but the thing is, is the crux of or the core of this conversation is about financial literacy. And those are literally the tools that make whatever you do from a, uh, I guess, upgrade standpoint and promotion standpoint be sustainable. Um, you know, because the last thing you want is to be able to get that new job or get that new car, that new house and not be able to sustain it. And I think that's something that we don't talk a lot about or enough about, which is how to sustain your lifestyle. So even a guy that's going paycheck to paycheck, um, but's working hard to get to the next level, he'll get there. You know, it may take some time, um, you know, so they'll get there. You keep working, you keep hustling. Your opportunity will come. You just put yourself in the right place. Uh, with your work ethic, you'll get there. Um, but how do you sustain that? You know, what's the what's the where's the staying power? And that's where uh, education, I think, uh, is is key. What is the church's role in supporting entrepreneurs? So I think uh, the church again. Um, I think the main thing that the church can contribute to most uh, parts of this conversation is just the social element of it, the deployment element of it. Um, you know, it's it's just an untapped resource of uh, of uh, scalability that you find inside of these churches because there's a built-in network there. Um, so even from an entrepreneurial standpoint, um, not only do I feel like churches need to do more to train entrepreneurs um, because these uh, entrepreneurs are sitting in their pews and not just entrepreneurs. There's a diverse mixture of people who are sitting in these pews every Sunday. So they work at the local banks, the grocery stores. Some of them go to work at, you know, Google and Amazon. Some of them have their own businesses, but they're all sitting in the same place at the same time. So I think where the church can be more intentional is finding those connection points between all of those people that are sitting in their pews. Um, You know, so is there a way for the small business guy sitting in the church uh, to connect with the guy as a vendor, connect with the guy who works at Amazon? You know, he may say, hey, we've got programs for small businesses. And these are two people that sit next to each other at church every Sunday, but would never discuss, you know, how to make that connection. So 
we're winding down, but I, I want to ask you, where's the opportunity to innovate as a church? So when you think of churches, do you think of these static bodies that um, that that aren't able to per- really participate in community mm-hmm. in novel ways? Mm-hmm. And with so much changing in the tax code, so much changing with unemployment rates and uh, different ideas out of the gig economy, uh, how do we innovate? today's churches mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a fantastic question with declining with declining uh parishioner population uh, yeah 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 um you know i i think that f- the very first thing that needs to happen is there has to be a a shift in in the thought process and of, of what a church is um you know so ideology aside um you know i think that the church should not be looked at as just a place where you go to worship um you know and so so i said you you i mean it obviously that's what it is so let's take the obvious off of the table and look at what what other core you know capabilities you know exist innate in the church and the church has been around for hundreds of years so these are things that are literally built into the dna of what a church is so i think if we if we take a, a paradigm shift of thinking and and transition into not a church just being a place to go to worship, but a place uh, the church is as a, a, a mechanism for community engagement, you know, you see the difference there. You know, it's not just a place to go worship, but this place is a mechanism that we can use for community engagement. I mean, just thinking, taking your your shifting your thinking from that place over to that place is a huge thing. Um, because now it's like, oh, you know, the church is a mechanism of community engagement. So that means that now the church is a center bed in this community. It's anchored in this community. The people in the community go to this place and gather once, twice, three times a week. You know, people that go to this church now are exposed to other parts of the community that the church isn't. So just that right there, aggregating those resources from the standpoint of community engagement, I just think just that that one shift alone um, is an innovation in, in how churches approach uh, what they do. What do you wish uh, pastors would would do more of to make financial behavior change more of a convenient subject within church walls? I think that pastors uh, are leaders first and foremost. Um, so I think you know, what pastors could do is uh, more of the high level shifting of the thought process. So that shift that I was just talking about, um, you know, from just being a place of worship to the church being a mechanism for community engagement. um, That's something that a pastor can make that shift in his church. Talk to other pastors about, again, going back to what I said earlier about sharing information, democratizing this information, um, initializing the network. Um, you know, I've done uh, quite a few white papers on these particular issues that we're talking about. And I send those things out as fast as I can to every pastor in my network because, you know, it's, 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 it's sad that we can get a revelation about these things, have some successes. And then the church that is, you know, this, you know, spearheads these changes doesn't share it with the next church. And sometimes it's for small reasons. Uh, it, it could be just because I'm in Amy Zion Church and you're a Baptist church. We're on the same block, but because we're not part of the same denomination, we don't share information, even though we're trying to build the same community. And I think that's the thing. Those are the barriers that need to be broken down in order to really, really, really impact some change. What's the um, 
What's the thing you tell entrepreneurs inside the church? What What do you do to uh, carry these conversations and to give space uh, for for entrepreneurs who are consultants looking to gain traction and uh, have some sustenance? What do you What do you do? What do you tell them? Uh, well, from a business standpoint, entrepreneurship standpoint, um, again, I would tell them anything that I would tell just a regular client, you know, to talk about how to be more successful. Uh, in their businesses, um, how to, you know, just be more impactful um, by really focusing on stakeholders, you know, increasing the value that you give to your clients, customers, you know, employees. Um, You know, these are the things that I would talk about. Like I said, faith-based is really just, to me, a buzzword, a catch-all phrase, if you will. I think that those conversations that I would have with a regular paying client, you know, for my, my consulting company would be the same conversation I would have with an entrepreneur inside of the church. Uh, At the end of the day, uh, I think the church, again, is just a mechanism that we can use to put an exponent on the programming, um, the value that we want to to present to the community or, you know, deploy into the community. I think the church is is that gasoline on the fire, if you will. Um, So, yeah, so the conversation would be the same. It's all about being successful at business and, and the way you be successful at business, no matter what business you're in, is to find new and innovative ways to add value to people. Yeah, I guess in closing, my concern would be uh, why should a person feel like a church is a destination where they can be enriched about their business? Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the spiritual component, the activation of a person's energy stemming, brimming from uh, their spiritual composition and, and the thoughts that come from their heart and such and being a, a good person through that. But why else should a person, um, a business owner, see church as a destination for growth? Well, you hit the nail on the head. The things that you just mentioned are, in the business world, uh, not necessarily addressed. Um, so uh, the church would be a destination because you know the whole person could be addressed. Uh, so not just the business aspect of, uh, you know, how to improve uh, sales, marketing, you know, customer relations, uh, customer development, you know, all of these different things. But also, you know, how you manage, uh, uh, you know, the spiritual, mental uh, part of of your life, you know, because those things generally, not generally, but a lot of time those things are out of balance. Um, and especially as an entrepreneur going, 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 trying to make things happen, uh, it's easy uh, to have that side of you uh, be, uh, you know, not built up the way it's supposed to. So the church would be a destination because it's literally a one-stop shop. Uh, You don't get your business consulting and then have to go, you know, find a way to be built up. You know, you can be built up in all areas, uh, all in one place. So... That's why the church would be a destination for a business entrepreneur, and you can, you know, fill a blank in there for anybody uh, in any other area of uh, not just business but area of life. How will you know that your work is done as executive pastor, that it's done well? And, and how will you hear from the pearly gates one day, job well done? In this particular role, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, I would get the job well done uh, uh, by empowering our people. 
I think that's something that is really, really, really a strategic focus for me. I think that uh, people are literally the most important resource on the planet. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's no secondary thing. People are the resource. Uh, and the church has an overabundance of people. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think by empowering the people of the church, the church now puts itself in position uh, to be one of the most powerful organizations on the planet because we move people. That's what the church does. But you have to be called to this work. Oh, and definitely. What 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 is your calling for this? And therein lies your, your passion. So what's bubbling up to the consciousness for you? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're talking about is my calling for the church. Um, so I've never thought that even though I can preach and teach and do all of these things, and I love to do it. That's not my calling. My calling is literally. And I've heard him preach, folks. <laughs> um, that's not really my calling. You know, I don't think my calling was to be a pastor, which is why I'm an executive pastor. Um, my calling is to be in the background, um, really connecting the intersection of business and ministry, um, which is something that churches miss a lot. You know, there's a lot of good preaching going on, uh, but it, when it comes to really, really, really using uh, the resources of that church to impact the community and finding those intersections between the ministry side of it and the business side of it, that's why I have a unique gifting. Mm -hmm. That's where my passion is, and that's where um, I think ultimately my impact is going to be. And then, much like I've asked on this podcast uh, at the end, uh, what breaks your heart about the work you do and where you found Judah to be at by the time you got to it? Um, what breaks your heart? What, what keeps you up at night? What stirs your, your, your in, inside, your spirit that says, man, we've got to res develop a response to this? Yeah, so, um, you know, crazy as it sounds, um, the thing that keeps me up at night or what breaks my heart is the opportunity. Um, um, I think that there's a massive, massive opportunity, not just for the church, but in the marketplace. I just think there's a, if you will, product market fit for what the church has to offer and what's needed in the marketplace. And I just don't think that the church is positioned to fill that gap. And then what happens is in the marketplace is that there's a window, um, you know, the all of the billionaires, you know, saw a window and they crawled through it before it closed. Um, you know, Steve Jobs with Apple and the, the iPod. I mean, you name it, uh, Bezos and Amazon. There was a window and they saw it and they jumped through the window. Um, right now, there's a massive window in the marketplace uh, for um the church that I think the church could fit through. And I just don't think the church is positioning itself. And, and it, it, is, it goes even deeper. I don't even think the church sees the window. And uh, that's the, that's the sad part for me. And that's where a lot of, uh, you know, my sounding board is coming from a lot of my soapbox, if you will, <laughs> uh, is coming from is because I'm screaming from the rafters, uh, the rafters that, uh, you know, to these churches, to these pastors, to these denominations and all of the, you know, faith based work that I do, that there's an opportunity right now. Um, people are hurting. People need to be uh, skilled and reskilled. Um, you know, there's so much that needs to happen from a people standpoint. Um, I mean, there's a shortage of talent in so many different uh, industries and the churches are made up of nothing but people. 
So there's just a massive opportunity for us to fit into this gap in the marketplace and the church doesn't even see it. That's the sad part for me. But again, uh, what keeps me up at night is how do I, you know, if you will, put an exponent on my work so that I can, you know, get people to see, get the right people to see. Because, I mean, church leadership is just like any other company. You got to be talking to the right people. There are certain people that really move the needle when it comes to faith-based work in this country. And, uh, you know, I'm just doing the best that I can to get in front of these people, um, to to get this word out, um, to get these strategies out of how to do exactly what it is. Um, I mean, there's just so much market value sitting right in the pew of the church. And uh, I, I just think it's, it's going unnoticed right now. What's the proudest you've been um, in your role over the last six to eight months? I think the proudest I've been is uh, a few of the programs that we've done at the church uh, and just seeing the response from the people. So um, just basically getting a real world, uh, real world feedback from the things that we're talking about. Um, That to me is a success when somebody can come up to you and say, hey, man, um, you know, I really, you know, was able to get value from X, Y and Z that we did at the church Um, uh, or having somebody visit the church because somebody told them about something that we did at the church, um, you know, and people seeking out answers from the church. I mean, that literally just uh, really stamps and put a, puts a check mark next to, um, you know, just what I feel like my calling is. Well, we want to thank Tremaine Davis. How can people find you? Are you on social media? What, 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 how can people get in touch? Uh, my website, atiglobalsolutions.com, atiglobalsolutions.com. That is the best way to find me. Just go to the website, hit me up. Um, there's tons of free resources on there for businesses. Um, I got a business basics workbook uh, that's free off the website. Um, my last uh, class that I taught at, taught at Howard, I pulled some snippets off, put those on the website, um, all about um, how to increase stakeholder value, in, internal, external uh, stakeholders, you know, why those are important. Um, some white papers that I wrote, all free on the website. So hit the website up, grab the free resources, hit me up if you guys want to talk about this more. I love this discussion, and I just think it needs to be uh, had more, like I said, while that window is still open. Well, thank you. Thank you, Truman. This podcast was recorded at Prince George's Community Radio, located on the campus of Prince George's Community College. The music for the podcast has been provided by David Smalls, and the PG Daily is executively produced by David Smalls. Join us next time for more financial empowerment.